Sunny Shore City, you're listening to The Underground Radio, bringing you all the very best Pokemon news and views this side of Twist Mode. This is Sam, and with me today is returning co-host and friend of the podcast, Professor Josh Massey. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Darren Cole. Glad to be here. For today's broadcast, we'll be filling you in on the latest Pokemon news, walking down Victory Road with an amazing story to tell, Checking in with the judges for our Voltage Meter segment, spotlighting our very first ever Mega Pokemon, and covering a fan favorite main topic of ours, and a classic that never grows old, Ivy Breeding with Ralts. So sit back, relax, and give your Radio Rotome what it wants. So guys, it has been an exciting week in Pokemon here. For everybody else, this is episode 64 of the Underground Radio, Ivy Breeding with Ralts, version 6.0. And we'll just be starting it out really with some Pokemon chatter here. I'm excited to have three people on the show again, just because it almost never happens. The only time in the past that we've ever had three people on at the same time was really for when we would snag people for the new sets that released or our special ones where we got everybody on for talking about Pokemon League. And I'm really glad to have you guys on here. Well, I'm yeah, glad I, to be here. I agree. This is this is a, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And probably one of the coolest things that have happened in Pokemon this week was that our tournament we had for the end of the Fennekin season went very, very well for us. We had eight participants, and each one of them got a Magician Fennekin, and the winner was Professor Kevin from Paradox Pokemon, which really surprised me because he almost never shows up to my league. He works like super early in the morning to super late in the evening, so it was one of those sorts of things where, wow, you actually showed up. But yeah, he totally took the whole tournament, and he received a timid female magician Fennekin from me, plus a Underground Expedition supporter card from the League Prizes from a long, long time ago that Mitch found. I remember that card. It's a fun card. It is. And it's it's very pretty. It is very pretty. Yes, it is. But, and yeah, I was super pleased with that. I have to ask, Sam, did the Fennekin still have Heatwave on it? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to look into that, but... You should say it did, because that's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was fantastic. There were a lot of 
for us, a lot of people turned out. There were some people, again, who were kind of on, on the fence about participating, but that's to be expected, I guess. I mean, it was it was only with the four Pokemon, so, you know, it was a nice casual thing for people to do, so. Yeah. And I can imagine some people are still a little uh, wary of VGC tournaments with the Pokemon Bank still in limbo. Yeah, I don't know. But like we're what we're going to talk about here, there's really no need to fear, you know, exactly. not being able to transfer your Pokemon up. And that's something I think I'm going to have to mention at League because I know there are a couple people who don't even come because the Pokemon Bank hasn't released yet. Like they're stuck on needing their Pokemon from Gen 5. So we'll we'll have to change that a little here. But for other news, I have been beginning to pick out a team for the VGC, and I've also been starting to choose a deck for the trading card game in preparation of the trip to Wisconsin in April. That has been very difficult. I don't know which one of my decks that I want to use. I mean, I really only have three choices for solidly competitive decks, but I don't know. I have one deck I'm really excited about using, but the other deck probably would do a whole lot better just for the sake of functioning well against other decks. So it's going to have to be a eventually choose one of them and kind of stick with it and run sort of situation. But yeah, I've, for anybody who is interested, I'm looking for a lot of practice for the trading card game around here, and which, and I'm also going to be eventually looking for a lot of practice on Showdown. So if anybody wants to, they can just get a hold of me on the Facebook group and talk to me about getting some battles in over Showdown and Skype, which is a whole lot of fun. Pick me, Sam. Pick me. <laughs> I will and, fight you. And, you know, I would get more trading card game practice in today, but it's another thing here, too. I will be most likely judging the tournament this upcoming day today. I suppose it would be yesterday for anybody who's actually going to listen, but we'll, uh, the judge that is usually on retainer for the Paradox League said that he was feeling a little sick, and he asked if anybody else could judge it, which there are only two other judges in the entire area, which are Mitch and myself, so really asking if Mitch or I would judge and I said, you know, I, I can probably do this. It's been a while since I've judged the last time, and it would probably be good for practice anyway. So and then it was also really funny for yesterday when I had a day off, first Saturday off in ever that I've ever had. I was listening to a group of people talk about a hypothetical fight that was supposed to be going on between a Protean Greninja and a Speed Boost Blaziken, and they were debating who would win or not. And I said, you know, it's going to be the Speed Boost Blaziken. I mean, it's just going to win all the time unless you play the Protean Greninja like you're supposed to play it. 
I'm sure Josh would love to put in his two cents on this one because I'd be interested to hear what he would think in that I situation. I have at least three cents to include. Okay. Oh my. And all three of my cents are being bet on the Greninja. All three of them? Okay. All three cents. And how would you then get out of that situation? If you were in that hypothetical situation, the Protean Greninja versus the Speed Boost Blaziken. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's a tough choice because you can resist and not even be hit by Blaziken's stab attacks by having Shadow Sneak on your Greninja and not being affected by fighting or by using Water Shuriken or Waterfall or whatever you wanted to use against the Blaziken and resisting his fire attacks. So... If you played your cards right, you have priority attacks with Water Shuriken and Shadow Sneak that can, like I said, resist or completely nullify his attacks. So speed boost doesn't really matter that much at that point. See, and the option I went with was, you know, I said your best bet is probably going to be Shadow Sneak and fake out somebody, like maybe use... Dark Pulse or something at the very onset, or a Dark-type attack just to fake them out into trying to use High Jump Kick. And there was one guy in particular who just didn't understand why I would choose that particular one. He was just like, well, you know, why wouldn't you want to use Water Shuriken? I mean, it's a priority attack, you're going to be hitting it for super effective damage, I mean, and you're going to get stab off of it, well, why wouldn't you want to use that? And I said, well, there are a couple things you're ignoring in this equation, and the first one is that all of Protean Greninja's attacks are going to be stab anyway. So Mm -hmm. that really doesn't matter. That Protean Greninja is not supposed to be a point-and-click sweeper. He's supposed to be the Pokemon that confuses and fakes out, no pun intended on that one, Pokemon so that they don't know which tack to use and whether or not it's going to be resisted or not. So, you know, that's another thing. And the third one is that I spent 25 seconds looking at the Cerebi page for Greninja to look up exactly what types that Greninja could possibly be. And I found out that if I was going to be in that situation, I would totally use Brave Bird instead of fire, uh, flare blitz or high jump kick, because I would totally go with the safe route, because even if he uses a rock-type attack to try and resist the Brave Bird, there's no way he's going to survive a base 120 attack off of Blaziken. Cause, so you just protect once, and then attack because with water shuriken even though it has the priority you still need to hit a minimum of four times to be able to knock out a blaziken it's one of those kind of situations where you really gotta try and make him think yes i really want to use that dark type attack uh, a fighting type attack against this greninja like Try and say, oh, guess what? Well, I'm going to use a Dark-type attack. Now I'm a Dark-type. I really want you to hit me with High Jump Kick and then use Shadow Sneak because you'll not only hit him for 27% damage, you'll also make his HP reduced by a minimum of half by missing with High Jump Kick, and then you just keep using Shadow Sneak until he's going to go down. 
Yeah. It's the best way to be able to handle that situation. And the guy just could not understand that. Just, well, water shuriken, it's it's so good. And I was like, yes, but it's not consistent damage. I mean, nobody would use that and expect to be able to hit the four times every time. And I don't know, there was a... I felt a little weird because I was talking exactly like David does when he talks about the trading card game. (laughs) And for anybody who knows David, he has... He he is a very good player, and therefore he's gone to... He's yeah. very confident. He's very confident. He's gone to Worlds. I mean, he knows what he's doing. And at that point, you start getting into the realm of talking about, well, luck doesn't matter. You do things to make yourself more consistent. And I was saying all of those things, and I was like, wow, I sound like David. <laughs> Except for the video game, as opposed to the trading card game. So, I don't know. I thought it was kind of... It was an interesting way to spend a Saturday morning. And then we went out to the mall and had a after-league party at the mall, just playing the trading card game there. I was there. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I was not there, so it I, was less fun. We'll get you <laughs> some at some point. Yeah, you need to come back. I do need to come back, I know. <laughs> I never uh, even met you, Darren. Uh, well, we did see each other for five seconds at Paradox. That's right, we did. We did do that. Okay, so we're tight then. We're good. Yeah, we're we're best friends. Uh, I did. I uh, just to backtrack a little bit. I wanted to throw in some two cents of my own on that hypothetical battle. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I agree with you that the brave bird is the best attack, but I think the best part about that hypothetical is using or is training people in, into the fact that not only is Protean uh, a an offensive ability, it also has really uh, important defensive ramifications. Uh, using Protean as a defensive ability, as well uh, as well as offensive, is is good is good practice for people. To, you know, it's good to think about for a lot of trainers. Protean is definitely one of those abilities where you really have to think about it and use it to confuse your opponent as much as you're going to use it to attack with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like using the uh, various stances off of what Aegislash. It, oh, Aegislash, yes. You have to make a tactical decision whenever you're going to attack with it or be defensive with it. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's been my week in Pokemon pretty much so far. What have you guys been up to? Go ahead, Darren. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I have also been working on uh, my VGC team and... T- and TCG deck for the upcoming Wisconsin trip in April, and uh, boy, I, I it seems like every week I make a new uh, final decision on my VGC team, <laughs> uh, especially after listening to uh, the podcast two weeks ago with uh, Josh talking about certain Pokemon. Uh, that really got my my gears grinding in my head. Uh, just thinking about new possibilities. Uh, I'm really interested to hear how Nugget Bridge went. So, uh, but uh, uh, otherwise, uh, the TCG, I think I've made my final final decision on a deck, and now I'm just going to need a lot of practice. And Sam already offered to help me with that. Uh, other people will help too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, and then just comes down to fine-tuning uh, which single cards will go in and uh, how many of each card. Uh, it, it'll, it's a, it'll be a lot of fun over the next few months. I'm going to have to do a deck-building mm-hmm. episode here before regionals just because. That is a great idea. It should be a thing. Uh, otherwise, I went to... Uh, the mall yesterday and hung out with a bunch of guys playing Pokemon. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Just uh, get together, rant because we were all just bored on a Saturday and said, you know what? Let's have a league day that isn't a league day. It <laughs> it was it was completely worth my time. I'm glad that we were worth your time. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. Uh, how about you, Josh? Um, all right, well, I'll start at the beginning. I I went to that Nugget Bridge Circuit tournament. Uh, it's a week and a half ago now, yeah, January 1st. And holy awesome. How did it you was, do? It was, well, I, I didn't do as well as I would have liked. And I'll get into that in just a minute. But it was a really, really fun event. Um, the organizer, I've talked to her quite a bit since the event, she was expecting about 25 participants and we were sitting at about 60, 55, oh, 60, somewhere wow. in there. So yeah, she, the venue that we used was about the size of paradox for those of you who oh. are part of the league up in Fargo. And yeah. we had close to 60 participants for the VG and we had probably 35 to 40 for the TCG. So imagine that many people trying to pack into Paradox. <laughs> that's too many. Yeah, that's, that's we, not going to work. Yeah, they actually they called another venue that was two doors down in this little strip mall and asked the guy if he would mind coming in early and opening his shop for us to use. Wow. Because the event was that large. Yeah, it was it was really cool and it was actually a really good day for me to start i i kind of changed my team on the drive there which give you a little idea of my day it was new year's (laughs) eve so you know we were all up late we're hanging out we're doing our new year's eve thing and then two o'clock in the morning i come home i shower i get in my car and i go pick up five other people and by 2 30 we're driving up to dallas so six and a half hour drive there, tournament, six and a half hour drive home that night, got home at about one o'clock the next morning. It was intense. But uh, yeah, we actually, um, I got there and I, I started off 3-0, and started off with some pretty strong battles as far as I'm concerned, which um, I will be throwing up on my YouTube page eventually. And then cool. round four, I am sitting in the top spot, which is exciting. Because the way that they number the tables, I was table number one. So I was, I was sitting pretty. I was feeling good. And this 16-year-old kid comes up and sits across from me. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little excited at this point. You know, I can feel my heart racing because this is Pokemon. It's intense for me. And this kid is sitting over there just cool as a cucumber. He doesn't even care. So I even made a comment about it, you know, telling the kid that he's freaking me out because he just looks too comfortable sitting there. And then I look at his hat, and it says Worlds on it. I was like, oh, 
well, he's obviously good. So I fight him and things went very, very not my way in this battle. I, I missed an overheat on an Obama snow. The next turn I missed a swagger on an Obama snow. And the next two turns I missed rock slide on that same Obama snow. No way. Yeah. The, the Arceus or Arceus was not with me for that tournament. It was rough, but I mean, even (laughs) if those things would have hit, uh, it still would have been very, very tough for me to pull out a win. End up finding out this kid goes by Raikou. Um, he took second in the world two years ago. Yeah. So things weren't probably going to go in my favor either way. Still, you got to play a world's level player. That's I pretty know. exciting. It was legit, even though he was in juniors when he did that. And, you know, as a kid, half my age spanked me. But yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, that was my first loss of the day. And then I ended up fighting somebody that I fought at regionals when I went a year and a half ago now. And that was an intense battle. Took her down to her last Pokemon with about a third health when she ended me. And then the last battle was the same kind of thing. It was just barely there so yeah i i won the first three lost the last three which at that point i was so tired i didn't even care but the coolest part of this event for me was getting to meet some of these nugget bridge guys and i've i've been keeping in touch with them a little bit and you know they've been talking a lot of team building and stuff and it's just really cool hearing thoughts from other people that aren't you know just me and sam bouncing ideas off of each other so I'm learning some new things, which is exciting. And um, Darren, you mentioned, you know, thinking about some new VG Pokemon for yep. your team. The championship fight for first place, they both had a Pumpkaboo, or Gorgeist, sorry, on the team. What? Yes. <laughs> yes, they they were actually, they were two of the Nugget Bridge guys. The one lives in Texas. The other one lives in Seattle, and he was down for the tournament. So they were they had talked team building together, and they both had a Gorgeist that they brought to every single fight. Wow. Yeah. I'll have, so, to, I'll have to look into that. I, I yeah. never even considered Gorgeist. Neither had I, but the way that they built him is it's pretty hilarious. He's just an annoyance more than anything. Okay. But it's pretty humorous. Annoyances have a pretty intense psychological factor on a battle, though. Absolutely. So that was that event. Um, And then we had our league challenge this last Thursday night. Um, That was pretty pretty exciting, too. We had a few guys drive about an hour and a half to come down for the event. We had 19 participants. So that was, it was good. It was good. And I finally got the Scyther cards. Nice. I was able to distribute. Yep, that was exciting. And then I guess my last little bit of news, um, like I mentioned with the Nugget Bridge Circuit Tournament, is I've been talking to the organizer quite a bit. And in talking to her, she asked me to run the video game side of the Texas State Tournament. Oh, man. So, yeah, I will be heading up 
the Texas VG events. I, I think she wants me to do the actual state tournament and then the side events over the next two days as well. Congratulations. So, yeah, that's a pretty big deal for me. That I, is very impressive. I'm very excited for it. And yeah, that's about it for me. All right. Well, I do believe that we will continue on to the news. And now it's time to come over to the news desk here. And we have a couple of announcements here just from the side of the Underground's announcements. The first of which is that the Underground will be turning two years old in just under two months here. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> the Underground will be turning two years old on March 10th of 2014. And we will be looking into some things to do for that event. I mean, two-year anniversary is pretty exciting. I remember last time we had a lot of listener participation from sending in announcements and bumpers and everything. So I think we'll do that. And I think I'll also try to get more guests on the show for that one as well. And we'll have to have... A really good main topic for that one. I'll just have to figure out what that main topic will be. Um, and the other announcement is that we'll also be working on a schedule for us to publish here that we'll be following in the near future, and I'll put that up on the Facebook page and on the D20 Radio Network forums. And for what I've got planned so far is for next week, we'll be covering our second part of our main topic here, which will be EV training with EV. And we'll also be covering deck building at some point in the near future. And we also had a couple of suggestions from the players at our after league party yesterday to talk about maybe some of the rules that are present in the trading card game that are really difficult for some players to understand, like propagating 16 times in a single turn when you've only got four propagation Pokemon. So it's definitely a couple of things we'll have to talk about, and I also want to talk about the VGC again in a main topic, like specifically talk about Mega Pokemon. And we also need to do a movie review at some point in the future as well. So I'll be figuring out a schedule for us to follow here for the near future, and we'll be covering a lot of main topics here. So keep staying tuned and let your friends know about us and about what we'll be talking about. That being said, there have been a couple of announcements over the Overworld news as well. The first of which is that January 14th to March 3rd, there is a half-price boutique coupon that will be available to download for everybody who has a wireless connection. Yep. And I'm just going to note, that is in North America and Europe. I think Japan starts January 15th. Yeah. And it comes about a month and a half too late after I <laughs> grinded through the Elite Four to get every last poke money unit to buy every single piece of clothing but i'll be able to use that for y version yeah. y version i will be banking on that so hard it's not even going to be funny 
we also had some information pop up on the Poke Mileage Club. I know I've been looking at the Pokemon Global Link with very, you know, expectant eyes over the last... How many months has it been? It's probably been three months now since X and Y dropped. Yep. So I've been looking at it just expectantly wanting more things to come from it. Now it looks like we'll actually be getting that. The balloon-popping minigame, I guess, will be playable on the Global Link website fairly soon here. Is that one of the attractions that they were talking about? I believe so. Because I know that they had talked about submitting the first of those attractions that yep. you spent the Poke Miles in to be able to participate in. Yes, and, and that is what it is. Yes, so I was I've I'm fairly excited to see what that turns out because I've got 1,300 Poke Miles now and I don't know what to do with them. I'm sure Josh, you have more than I do, but oh man, I kind of want to check now. <laughs> but yeah i've been really excited to see that and i want to see more come out of the poke mileage club as well because i've been waiting ever since the announcement that they were going to be transferring a lot of the dream points into poke miles from the black and white era poke global link and i'm still waiting to get my twenty-five thousand for each of them so it's got to be amazing <laughs> it's too much or is it not enough it's never oh. enough sam it's, oh, it's never yeah. enough thank Think you about Josh. all the full heels need so many full heels <laughs> yep just nope berry juice berry juice everywhere yeah, berry yeah. Juice. i'm gonna get seven hundred and fifty thousand berry juices just all the berry juice i Dun think trouble. that would technically break the game no We're not going to think about it in terms like that, Darren. We're going to think about it in terms of being able to restore all of your Pokemon using nothing but berry juice for now until forever. So you have you you have a a thing against uh, the Pokemon Center. Maybe you hate it. Maybe (laughs) there might there might be some hurt feelings about that one. But what did Joy ever do to you? Everything. Oh man. But uh, yeah, and. Also, I suppose on that same vein, the Pokemon Black and White era, I can't believe I'm saying era about that, because it's almost (laughs) like, you know, in an era long ago when we were talking about, like, the Bronze Age or something, but no, in the Black and White era, Pokemon Global Link will be closing very, very shortly, so if you haven't already... Get your Pokemon out of there, abandon ship, take all of the items with you that you could ever possibly want for black and white era games, and yeah, just make sure that everything is cleaned off of there, because once they shut it down, it's shut down. So, definitely... Do that thing. Yep. And I just have to I have to chime in again really quick here. Yes. 56,510. Wow. So, how did you get that many? I have no idea. Well. I, I was looking in my game. I was actually talking to Kent the other day, and all my Poke Miles were gone. And he's like, oh, you just game synced. They're all on the website. So I checked, and I was like, holy man. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I did that much, but I did. You did that much. That's impressive. So, yeah, Darren, I believe you have maybe some 
experience with the next one here because short films and animes and all of that are really within your very strong sphere of influence for absolutely us. absolutely uh for the listeners who don't know me which is most of you i am a, i'm a very heavy anime addict uh that includes pokemon and so uh the next announcement uh the next announcement comes from koro koro uh, they have released the legendary Pokemon that will make their appearance in the next uh, Pikachu short film, which will be accompanying the uh, next Pokemon movie coming this summer. They, uh, the legendary Pokemon that will be in the short are Darkrai, Manaphy, Victini, and Jirachi. They will be adventuring along with uh, Dedene, Chespin, Fennekin, Froakie, and Aklefki. And of course Pikachu is going to be there too since it's his short. Uh, but I'm really excited for this movie. It's going to highlight Xerneas and Evaltal, and, and uh, Ash is going to probably be in it, uh, since he's Ash. He is. He is Ash. It would only make sense. <laughs> only makes sense. I am very excited for it. And I don't know if this is just going to be in Japan. I'm pretty sure that I read on this. They're actually going to do a vote between Darkrai, Manaphy, Victini, and Jirachi. Did you read anything about that? Yeah, there's going to be a vote on uh, on whose favorite, uh, or on, on everyone's favorite of these four, and there'll be uh, uh, possible prizes, or well, not prizes, but uh, uh, promotional stuff for that uh, particular legendary. Very cool. Yes. I'm excited to hear about that. But yeah, I, other than the fact that the Winter Regionals are also going on, and there have been some results for those posted, I believe, already. I think they had the last one for, I don't know, I didn't go to any of them because, you know, the nearest one was in, I think it was in St. Louis, and that's a long way away. That's... That's too much. It's that's a pretty good trek, Sam. It's a it's a very good trek. So I think I'll just stick with Madison. And Madison is going to be really fun because it sounds like we're going to have a lot of people who are interested in going. I've got Darren who will be going. I know Mitch is going to be going. He was very he was very excited about going to Madison this year. And I've Ben will probably be going. And we've got a couple other people who are also expressing interest. So we'll see how it goes when we get closer to the deadline. But yeah, for those of you who have been or are playing in uh, Winter Regionals, uh, good luck. And, you know, I hope you all do really, really well and have some really fantastic battles. But yeah, other than that, I don't think we have any other news, so we will move on to our next topic, which is the voltage meter. And now we're going to stop back here and check out our ranking with the judges on the voltage meter. And we have a review from a guy who goes by Fairly New Player. He gave us five stars and entitled his review, Best Pokemon Podcast Bar None. He writes, This podcast is full of mosts. Most informative, most accurate, most diverse within the world of Pokemon. 
This podcast is extremely professional with its dialogue and content, while also instilling a very infectious feeling of genuine love for everything Pokemon. The different segments are so fun, especially halfway through Viridian Forest without an antidote. My favorite episode is definitely IVs with Ralts. I learned so much. Thank you, and I will tell all of my friends to listen. And, you know, we really appreciate hearing that we are as professional as we are. I mean, we work really, really hard to make this podcast really good. So it, we really appreciate it when we hear people respond back to us saying that, you know, they listened to us and, you know, learned something as opposed to just listening to it for sheer entertainment value alone. But yeah, thank you again very much, uh, Fairly New Player. And if you guys have a review and a rating you'd like to leave us on the iTunes store, just give us a, uh, just pop on and give us a review and rating, and we will play it on the next episode. video game players like the three of us here who are currently hosting the show and it's a show that has really helped a lot of people and i think has also been for that reason one of the main reasons that we keep bringing this topic back and that is our ivy breeding with ralts episode with our RALTS being our very clever acronym we have that describes to you some of the key words for the breeding process. I think I escalated it rather quickly, going from RALTS 2.0 the last time we talked about it to RALTS (laughs) 6.0, and I decided to change it up a little just to reflect the current generation, as opposed to, you know, us having four lost episodes between then. So... For our Ralts episode here, we'll be going over the five letters of the Ralts acronym, Research, Acquire, Legwork, Testing, and Selection, and we'll kind of put in our two cents here on our experiences with the Ralts process in Generation 6. Now, for our first part here, we have research. And to explain a little bit more on this, we have Mr. Darren Cole to explain a little more. Sure. All right. When you are researching for ivy breeding, there are a lot of uh, great resources on uh, the internet. Most notably are Smogon, uh, Pokemon Showdown, Cerebi, and Bulbapedia. Uh, Nugget Bridge is also a great place for uh, getting some of the information you need. Uh, First of all, I would suggest going to Smogon and uh, looking at individual Pokemon 
and what movesets people are using for them. Uh, let's say you want to make a Flygon. So you would go on Smogon and search for Flygon and see uh, what sets people are running, what IVs they're running. And, uh, but don't, don't like treat that like the, the end-all, be-all of how your Pokemon has to be. It's re- take it as a suggestion, uh, uh, as a strong suggestion perhaps even, and uh, at least it's worth thinking about. Uh, other than that, Pokemon Showdown is a great place to do your research, uh, planning your team before breeding. Uh, and uh, getting uh, all the bugs worked out without having to go through the breeding process over and over again. Research is a fantastic place to be for the breeding process because you're really sitting there with hundreds of Pokemon in front of you like a kid in a candy store, and you get to look at all of these Pokemon and think, wow, I can do so much with all of these. This is going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Showdown is a lot of fun because of the freedom you have to pick any moves uh, and set the IVs wherever you want, uh, and then testing it out with other people uh, over the internet. It, it, is, it is a lot of fun and very worthwhile. Absolutely. I think it should also be said that Cerebi is also a fantastic place to go to for just straight numbers and moves and things of that nature that you'll really need for, like, the Pokedex aspect of it. Bulbapedia is too, but I prefer Cerebi more. I know Scott goes against the grain there, and he prefers Bulbapedia. So he's he's sort of like the guy who went to um, a university on the West Coast where everybody else went to the East Coast. It's sort of one of those sorts of things. I uh, Well, I, I guess I agree with Scott. I like Bulbapedia too, other than they haven't... They're, they're a little slow on the uptake for Gen 6. They are slowly getting the stuff on Bulbapedia, but I mostly like it just because it's brighter. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, no, the research aspect has been is the place where you go to start out your team. And, you know, you're going to go through a lot of trial and error before you find a team that works out really well for you. My regionals team last year took a month of just sitting and looking at Pokemon and cutting some out, adding some in, bringing some that I cut out back in. And... It's definitely a very creative process, and there are some things that you really have to remember when you're looking at these Pokemon and doing your research, and I think the most important thing, and it's just from my experiences over the last couple of days, that I can really give as a thing to remember is to be consistent with your Pokemon. I mean, there are some moves and some fantastic strategies that work out really well on paper, like gravity, but when you're talking about sheer consistency, consistency is what is going to help you win a battle, and you can have you can be consistent and you can also have fun. I mean, there is nothing wrong with using Thunderbolt over Zap Cannon. Even, you know, 
Zap Cannon might be really fun, you know, lock on Zap Cannon or something, but it's not as consistent as Thunderbolt will be, and you don't have to necessarily choose the uber Pokemon that are always going to win you the battle all the time. Because I played plenty of people with Thunderous and just smacked those Thunderous around like nobody else could. So, just something to consider. And I know Josh has also been a fantastic resource for my research in the past. He and I, as he said earlier, have really just thrown hundreds of ideas back and forth at each other over the years that we've known each other, and he's been a fantastic resource. Do you have any, like, special places that you go to for research, Josh? Well, I I am a big Cerebi fan, as Sam mentioned, but I have an app on my phone that I've been using a lot because I, well, as Sam very well knows, Pokemon is always on my mind. <laughs> when I'm at work, when I'm at play, everything I'm doing, Pokemon is always there. So it's nice to have that on my phone and have access to this app and be able to see all the egg moves and things like that that I will need and want on these Pokemon. So I've been using that. I know that they have the Pokedex 3D Pro app, which has all that information as well, right? For it the sure, 3DS? It sure does. Okay. So yeah, you have that as another option. Um, 99% of the time though, I'm using Cerebi just because it's, it's the website I started with and it's just super comfortable for me. Oh yeah. And then of course, Sam. (laughs) All right. Well, after you've researched your Pokemon and there is a lot of research that is going to go into this, you're probably going to spend 90% of your time breeding your Pokemon on research just for the purposes of knowing what's going on. And that's especially true in Gen 6 because of how quickly you can start churning out Pokemon with very good IVs. But we'll get to that in a minute. There are... A number of things that you'll also need to acquire, which is the A in our Ralts, which is a whole lot easier to keep track of than Eevee, where we've got four E's that <laughs> we need to talk about. That gets pretty messy, Sam. It does get a little messy, but Eevee is just a, an acronym that is, it's like the, it's like it's writing itself for that one. So <laughs> we had to do it. But the place that you'll want to go to is the Battle My Son in Kyloud City? It's it's a French name. I don't speak French. I'm not French. even going to pretend to correct you on that because I, I have no idea. No, I can't correct you, but yep. I, I guess I say Kyloud. Yeah. So. It's, it's a French name. I don't speak French. I don't think any of us speak French. <laughs> no. So I think we'll be good to go on that. But no, there are six items that you'll really want to get before you start breeding in a serious fashion anyway. And those are the Power Weight, the Power Bracer, the Power Belt, Power Lens, Power Band, and Power Anklet. And those are items that are corresponding to HP, Attack, Defense, Special Attack, Special Defense, and Speed, respectively. And I used respectively correctly that time, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, those are all items that you buy for, I believe, 16... BP yes. piece? Yes. 16 battle points a piece. 
and they help you by allowing you to transfer down specifically a IV that you want your Pokemon to have in their children. And that can be either you really want them to have a perfect attack IV or a perfect special attack IV, or if you wanted to go conversely and you were building a Trick Room team, you really want them to have that just awful speed IV. So, you know, it's they're very good items for really micromanaging the genetic power that your children are going to have, that you're eventually going to be breeding. So... Those are really good. Now, there is also an item that has been taking the Pokemon world by storm here, at least on the video game portion, and that is the Destiny Knot. And Josh, you should explain to us what this does. The Destiny Knot is beautiful. The Destiny Knot chooses five stats from either parent and passes them to the offspring. So when Bank does come out and we all have our flawless IV dittos back, you will be passing up to five stats from that one Pokemon. Ouch. And yeah, it's it's what has made this process so much easier. The Destiny Knot, I think in previous games, basically did nothing. It's an item that you could throw away and not miss it. Yep, no, it was the, I believe the item made it so that the attraction yeah. from, like, attract or something was lasted longer or something. I don't yeah, know, well, it was... wasn't it, yeah, if if you were infatuated, didn't the other Pokemon get the same thing? I think so, yeah. Like, yeah, so, it just added it back. Most useful item ever. Oh, or yeah, it, it is not. now. <laughs> well, it is now, absolutely. <laughs> yes, fifth gen. Uh-huh. I forgot that it was even a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was mostly there for collecting value, and yeah. that was it. It was like sort of the TM collections from before Gen 5, where it's just like, yeah, you know, I could use this Earthquake TM, or I could just keep it. So, mm-hmm. But no, the Destiny Knot has been fantastic, and of course tying in with Destiny Knot are dittos. And there are a number of ways that you can get dittos. I think you can catch some out in the wild. Pretty, pretty sure in yeah. Genesis. They're uh, they're in the Pokemon uh, Village. Yes. Oh, Pokemon Village. Yeah, that's that's a weird place. It is. But, <laughs> but there is, are also friend safaris that have dittos in them. And if you don't know somebody who has a ditto friend safari, you can always talk to Dario on the Facebook group because he totally has a ditto friend safari and his ditto friend safari is the superior ditto friend safari. I have caught so many dittos now and they have all had just fantastic IVs except for one of them who was kind of just... I, he, he was he was there. He wanted to just jump in. <laughs> he was a serious one, and he didn't have any good IVs. So it was kind of like, well, I guess I'll I'll catch you and take you with me too. But <laughs> he no, was the runt of the litter. He was the runt of the litter. However, dittos reproduce. I don't want to know. But <laughs> um, no, he caught he managed to get me a calm one with four perfect IVs, which I thought was pretty good. So nice. I'll definitely be picking his Ditto Safari again more often. 
And a good way to go with that is to be able to get a bunch of dittos so that you have one of each nature. And that's just so that you're able to breed the natures into whatever you want. I mean, nothing is more satisfying than being able to go in and say, hey, I need a uh, timid a timid Zoroark, but I only have Zoroarks that are relaxed or hasty or modest, so let's just grab one of my dittos, pop a Everstone on it, and breed one egg later. Yeah, I got a timid one. As opposed to, you know, all that random chance stuff that happened in Gen 4 and sort of in Gen 5. But... I see that already it has been added in there. <laughs> the uh, Everstone. Darren. You, yes, yes. Uh, the Everstone is beautiful because it passes down the uh, nature of the Pokemon that is holding it. Uh, it is a spe- That's why you get all the dittos of, dis- of different natures. I mean, just, it's, it's a necessary item that you will use every time you breed. And it's also really awesome because every Pokemon ever is carrying one. There are, like, Gravelers and, I think, Geodudes that are just carrying those things all the time. I think I have three. It's the trollingest thing ever, too, because (laughs) if you want to trade for a Golem, you have to make sure that you're removing that one, because if you keep trading it and some poor person gets that Graveler and it's just like, yeah, Golem, what, what? And Everstone. (laughs) Yep. I've actually had that happen to me with a Haunter. Yep. Oh, no. I think everybody yeah. has in Gen 3, because there was that one Pokemon you traded, and it was just like, yeah, I traded you this Haunter, and you're just like, yeah, Gengar, this is gonna be, oh, Everstone. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, PC. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it, that, the Everstone is a fantastic item, I really appreciate it, and also, there is the Egg Hatch O-Power, the egg hatching O power is pretty good. It's not quite as effective as the I can't even remember what that area is called now. The glitch that we exploited in Gen 5, where we could just give ourselves the permanent hatching powers and everything else that we would want. I mean, it was beautiful. It really, really was. But the egg hatching O power. You get it by maximizing your style and by obtaining all other 16 O-Powers. And for those of you who don't know how to max out your style, there are a number of ways you can do it. You can rent a room in the Hotel Richissime, which costs $100,000. That is a very fancy room. Uh, you also get it by taking the taxi around town or the Go-Goat shuttle. I, I love the Go-Goat shuttle. I, I don't know why. I'm, it just makes me happy. You also get it by buying Pokeballs at the Pokeball Boutique or by running around and participating in the cafe, like, restaurant things, the ones, two, three, and four-star ones. And you also get it by uh, going in and just buying all the things and participating in things going on in Lumio City. So it's pretty cool, and it also gives you access to the boutique there where you can buy all the super high-end clothes, which is going to be made so much easier now with the half-off coupon that's mm-hmm. going to be distributed, which is cool. But you 
after you max out your style and get all 16 O powers, and you can find out all the information on maxing out your style and getting the O powers on Cerebi, or I'm also assuming Bulbapedia, you go to the Introversion Cafe in Lumio City, which is also a fun place to go to if you're taking the taxi, because he'll the taxi driver will be like, "Is that isn't that the place where all those weirdos hang out? <laughs> and... <laughs> You just walk in there, and Mr. O-Power, I can't ever remember Mr. his name. Mr. Bonding, right? Mr. Bonding, yes. Yeah, it's bonding time. Yeah, he'll yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he'll be in there, and he'll just be the only guy in there with the pink jacket, and you just walk up to him and talk to him, and he'll be like, it's bonding time, and he'll give you the egg-hatching power. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much where you go so you can use the optional egg hatching o power i haven't had to use it quite yet because what we're about to talk about here there are some pretty good ways to make those eggs just hatch left and right which brings us to the l of our ralts acronym legwork there is one pokemon in particular that really helped save the breeding aspect for me because i lost my ability to get my volcarona right away and my volcarona was like the den mother i mean it was used to hatch all of my eggs ever because it also had fly and flame body but we got another pokemon that does essentially the same thing and is also a pretty cool looking pokemon and that's talonflame and if you have a flame body talon flame, I mean, you've pretty much set yourself up for victory right there. Just hatch the eggs, fly over to uh, the city, Kyloud City, <laughs> just the city. We we all know which city we're talking about. Check the IVs and walk back. But they also gave us a really fantastic space to go back and forth of in front of the daycare. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, uh, one, it's a good spot. One thing we should say about uh, Flame Body is you want Flame Body because uh, it makes your eggs hatch twice as fast as they normally would. Yep. Flame Body and Magma Armor are both fantastic abilities. Unfortunately, no Pokemon that learn Magma Armor can also fly, as far as I know. I don't know. Maybe Slugma can fly. Slugma can fly. They added that <laughs> this gen. Well, there uh, we go. Yeah, he blows out of a volcano for you. Exactly. Yep. I can just picture Gary Oak just flying around on a slug. Like, yeah. <laughs> Whether he could fly or not, that sounds uncomfortable riding that guy. I'm just saying. Mm, protective clothing. Yes, yes. Best. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's also the center of Lumio City, which some people also use, where you just press up and you just ride in a circle and you know it's that's a way to do it i guess i could just prefer the beauty of the landscape that they provided to us in route seven i believe is the route where it is it might be route nine i'm not sure but that right that route is just beautiful to look I, at my uh, my favorite part about that route is when you get on the perfect line it's you line up there's a cave and a sign next to the cave and if you line yourself up right next to the sign right in front of it you can go back and forth through the town and into the next route and then back through the town without stopping it's so it's so neat 
Yeah. (laughs) It's the longest route they've had in front of a daycare, I think, ever. I think so. Which is good, because there was nothing more frustrating than Gen 4 riding just that super short route where (laughs) you had to go into Goldenrod City and then come back out, and you, like were riding around in the city and you had to keep thinking about you know turn left right left right oh there's an npc he just ran into me now i have to ride around him and so yeah it's really really awesome i really it is and sam i i gotta tell you you know i i do love riding in front of the daycare but i have stopped doing that really i have found the lumios to for me personally to be faster and more convenient um, I, I have always, since I started breeding, I bike till I can pick up an egg, pick up an egg. As soon as one hatches, I go check it immediately. Mm-hmm. That has changed this gen. I'll pick up my five eggs and I will fly to Lumios. Um, if you fly, for those of you who don't know this little trick, if you fly to the center of Lumios, hop on your bike and then head into where the Eiffel Tower is. There's a guy standing just to the left. If you go right in front of him and hold right or left, you just keep going around the circle. What I've been doing is hopping on my bike, grabbing a dime, and sticking the dime underneath my joystick. Yep. And just riding in a circle. I can breed while I'm eating, while I'm juggling bowling pins or (laughs) flaming sticks. You know, whatever I want to juggle. It's it's just really convenient. And I've actually, it doesn't take any longer for sure. I think it might actually be even a little bit faster than what I did before. And then I just check the five eggs all at once yep. and then head back and pick up more. Very That's cool. pretty solid. Yeah. So I have changed this, Jen. But yeah, after legwork, though, and you're running around and doing all those things, there is also testing which is the T in our Ralts. And testing is going to be going on at the at the cities. The city. The, the city. There is only the one city. <laughs> um, at the city's Pokemon Center, Kyloud. And there's a guy, a I believe he's dressed as a ace trainer, I think. Something like that. He's Something got purple like hair. He's got the purple hair, and he's standing over by the dressing room, and he is the returning amazing judge who has been a part of Pokemon games for quite a while now. And he says, you know, I using my special powers, I can determine, I can judge the effectiveness of your Pokemon. And if you present a Pokemon to him to have him look at it, he will ascertain your Pokemon's IVs. And while... The IV judging portion has been uh, relatively clear in the last couple generations. I know Gen 4, you had to keep talking to him to find Mm -hmm. out which IVs he all had, your Pokemon all had, that were the really good IVs. And in Gen 5, he changed it up a little bit, and he just rattled off the highest IVs that you had if there were more than one of them. This time around... He will tell you again what potential your Pokemon has. He'll say this Pokemon has, you know, either decent, above average, relatively superior, or outstanding potential overall. 
and those various potentials all equate to the sum total of IVs that the Pokemon has. Decent is 0 to 90, above average is 91 to 120, relatively superior is 121 to 150, and outstanding is 151 to 186, 186 being a Pokemon with six perfect IVs, and you literally have won the game. So <laughs> That is not an understatement. But, um, yeah, after you get af- by that part, he'll also say, incidentally, I would say its greatest potential lies in whatever its best stat is. And he'll list all of the stats, as I just said. And he'll say if they're tied, I mean, he'll start listing off stats, and he'll say, like, it has rather decent stats, which are an IV of 0 to 15, not necessarily the best one there. Nope. Um, he will say it's definitely got some good stats, which is 16 to 25, which is the lower middle range. Then he'll say this Pokemon has some fantastic stats, which is the higher range, 26 to 30. For casual competition, that'll be, you know, a pretty good place to start out with. And then you've got it to the point where Josh and I and Darren are going to be where we'll want him to say stats like those, they simply can't be beat. And that's a 31. I mean, he won't say anything other than that if they're perfect IVs. Though, he'll also say that one nice addition is he'll also say if a stat is just awful. If you're sitting right at a zero. And that surprised me the first time I ever saw it. Because he was just like, oh, that stat's just awful. And I was like, well, thank you, Judge. That, <laughs> that was very kind of you to say to me. But I felt, I felt the same way. I'm like, this is new and strange. And I feel bad for my Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. My Pokemon like it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's fantastic for Trick Room. And especially because you'll be able to determine whether your speed stat is at the zero that you're really going to want to have to max out your speed boosting power with Trick Room. But Darren, I believe you were the one who researched all of the various things that he insults your Pokemon with. They're pretty funny. When he says that. So which are the six things that he actually says? Because I've only ever found the special attack naysaying one. All right. So if you bring your Pokemon to him and it has zero IVs in HP, he'll say, but it's HP. It's pretty dismal, you know? If it's attack, he'll say, but that attack stat. It's terrible. <laughs> if it's defense, you'll say, but how can you make it through battle with this kind of defense stat? If it's special attack, he'll say, but this special attack won't even leave a scratch on an opponent, which is ridiculous because special attacks wouldn't leave scratches. It's not a physical attack. Exactly. Uh, Run your stuff, okay. judge. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the joke. I don't know. Uh <laughs> If it's if it has a zero special defense, he'll say, but this low of a special defense stat is going to leave you high and dry. I appreciate that one. And finally, when it's a zero speed stat, which is what you want when making trick room, he'll say, but you won't get anywhere fast with this low of a speed stat. But a boom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But no, it's pretty fantastic. And one thing when it comes to testing that really should be mentioned on this one is that there are going to be some instances where you're going to want to look at these Pokemon and kind of make judgment calls on the Pokemon that you're going to be using. There are really fantastic places to get Pokemon that have naturally high stats. Uh, The Friend Safari, in particular, has probably what I would consider the most abnormally high selection of Pokemon with very high stats in just how you catch them. I think the least I've seen was ever that ditto with zero, but for the majority of the time, I've seen them with two or three. So Yeah, are you sure that ditto came from the Safari? Right. Because Safari, it, from everything I've read, is guaranteed to have two perfect IVs. Nope, it was that one that was just atrocious. And I think it was just that, you know, he was just like, well, I know you're looking for perfect IV dittos, but you should look into me instead. You should burn that safari down. But that's Dario's safari. I can't do that to Dario. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) And really with that, it kind of leads us into the last letter of our Ralt's acronym, which is selection. And with selection, ideally you're going to want to, well, not I, depending on what you're using, you'll want six IVs just for perfect, superior, hey, I won the game. Awesome. But it's not necessary. It's not. No, it's definitely not necessary. I mean, unless you have a mixed attacker, you're never really going to need all six stats. And, I mean, it is, it's definitely obtainable in this gen. I have probably half a box's worth of perfect IV'd Pokemon just by getting lucky through my breeding process. And it's outrageous. I mean, when you would talk to me about perfect IV Pokemon in Gen 4, it was like the equivalent of trying to win the lottery with that. A hundred times while getting hit by lightning each time. Yep. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It was it was basically the fluke of flukes in previous generations to have a perfect six IV Pokemon, unless you were cheating. Unless you were cheating. Yes. But unless that thing. <laughs> we'll leave that for another time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we've already talked about it plenty of times on the <laughs> show. Sure, sure. What are you talking about? I've never <laughs> talked about that, Sam. <laughs> but no, the selection process, you know, it's going to be one of those things where before you even look at these Pokemon and you've determined their IVs and everything, and really the selection process also kind of bleeds into the previous one, where you want to also be sure to check out if they've got the appropriate nature that you want, which in this generation is super easy to do. I mean, in Gen 5, at the very onset of Black and White, it was a legitimate hazard. In Gen 6, it is not a hazard. I mean, as long as you've gotten the one pokemon with the nature and the everstone you're good to go from that point on you're never going to have to worry about it again uh but the ability is also one that you're also going to want to look at and it's much easier to get hidden abilities in this generation i mean Mm -hmm. in a single day i've read more hidden ability magician fennekin than i ever had any luck in breeding hidden ability pokemon in Gen 5 
for any foreseeable amount of time. I mean, it literally took an hour to make 14 magician fennekins. It was ridiculous. I didn't even know what I was going to do with all of them. I still don't know what I'm going to do with all of them. I didn't even pass out all of them. Oh, right. I need to pass one out to Darren. Yeah. So, Darren, you're you're totally going to get one. Oh, but, awesome. I'm excited. But yeah, no, the selection process, you want to make sure it's the one that you want. It's got the nature you want, the ability you want, and it's super easy, again, to get the IVs that you want on there. You don't even need to... The the thought of hacking or RNGing just does not even need to exist in your mind anymore at this no. point. An, an hour at most is all you'll really need after you've gotten all the materials together that you need to make it happen to produce a superior Pokemon. Yeah. And after that, it's just a matter of leveling it up to, the, to learn the moves that you want. Oh, I suppose yeah. we didn't mention egg moves. We didn't mention egg moves. No. Um, egg moves, also a thing you'll want to think about in selection. And again, egg moves are moves that are passed down by the father into the offspring of the mother. And they are usually special moves that they can't learn on their own. And they can be useful. They can not be useful. I mean, there are some instances where you just don't want your Pokemon to learn Splash as an egg move. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not necessary. But there are some egg moves, like with with Fennekin, I mean, he can learn Heat Wave and Wish as egg moves, and I don't know about the usefulness of Wish at this point, but Heat Wave most definitely is a good egg move to have. Yes. Yeah. But... And egg moves are something that you should look into during your research, the first part of Ralts, but something with selection you should decide if you actually want to use those egg moves. Exactly. So yeah, that's essentially Ralts in a nutshell. And if you guys have any questions on the breeding process, or if you have any success stories that you want to share with us that will make it into a Victory Road segment, or into our question of the week later on here, just send it the responses to us in one of several ways. You can either send it to us over the Facebook group uh, by leaving us a comment there. You could also... Uh, reply to us through Twitter at our new Twitter channel at Radio Rotome, or you could send it to us over our to our email account at the Underground Mailbag at gmail.com or on the D20 Radio Network forums. And now we're going to be taking a quick trip down Victory Road here, and this was a very special Victory Road because it involved the generosity of one of our listeners, and it was literally just like a super heartwarming story here when it comes to the Pokemon games, and anybody who has ever tried looking for one of these Pokemon will know exactly what I'm talking about. A listener, Dario, had who we've already mentioned many times in the podcast here already, had a very special present that he requested that I pass on to po- to the podcast co-founder Natil, and that was her very own shiny Manectric. And That's legit. When I heard that, I was just like, you, did you find that? And he was just like, yeah, I just found it randomly, and I caught it, and I was just like, I want to give this to Natil. So it was beautiful i mean 
he he didn't get it traded to, over to me yet. Uh, we're still having a little bit of technical difficulty when it comes to that part. I don't know when we tried trading the servers were down or something. I don't know. It was we were thwarted due to technical difficulties, which this podcast has been no uh, stranger to in the past. <laughs> but once I get it, I'll certainly hold on to it and just cherish and protect this gift, which is a fantastic gift, by the way. I mean, it's been easier to get shiny Pokemon this generation, but Natil has never found one of her own yet. So, and, you know, it's a Manectric. It's one of her favorite Pokemon. So when the time comes that she can get it from me, I'll certainly present it to her. But yeah, thanks a lot, Dario. This shiny giving out a shiny as a present like josh did for me before he left was is just beautiful it really is this uh the the podcast community is is the best community of pokemon players i've i've ever come across in my life we have a very awesome community of players for the podcast i third that it is very awesome. So thanks, Dario, and thanks to everybody else for also being just beautiful, fantastic people to interact with. It's fantastic. What kind of Pokemon are you? How do you do the things you do? Share with me your secrets deep inside. What kind of Pokemon are you? Are you loyal through and through? And do you have a heart that's true? What kind of Pokemon are you? This week's yeah. Pokemon Spotlight will be covering number yeah. 282, Gardevoir. Uh-huh. Gardevoir is a psychic fairy type Pokemon and one of the two final evolutionary forms of Ralts, the other being Gallade, and they both would evolve from Curlia at level 30. Not quite. Uh, oh, Gar- that's wrong. evolves through the shiny stone. Oh. Dawnstone. One of the stones. Dawnstone, yeah. Dawnstone. There we go. Duskstone. I, don't have, I obviously don't have a Gardevoir. All the stones. You need to get a Gardevoir. <laughs> obviously, I do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Gardevoir is a tall, slender Pokemon with a white and green gown surrounding its legs, green hair that wraps around its head, red eyes, willowy green arms, and two red horns extending from its chest and back. The horn thing kind of puzzled me at first, but it's like one of those themes that continues on through the entire evolutionary line of the horns that originally were on the Ralts, and they were, I guess they like pick up uh, empathic waves or something, so it knows what the trainer's feelings are, which I think Mm. is really cool. That is cool. Uh, if this Pokemon is known to inhabit urban areas, and they're v- just super protective of their trainers. Good. <laughs> <laughs> this is why urban areas can be dangerous. Right? The Pokemon world is a dangerous place for humans to be. I don't right. know how they manage to survive. No, there would be no human race. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see. If their trainers are in danger, uh, Gardevoirs have been observed to expend all of their psychic powers to create a small black hole. Also, well, that's super, a thing. Super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Holy jeez. Well, you That's just go here power. and stay safe for a minute. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> wow. create a black hole and, you know, possibly destroy the Earth. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> wow. Uh, Gardevoir, also well known for being able to predict the future. Also very cool. Mm-hmm. Future Sight, I think, is one of its standard moves that it's had since Gen 3, so yep. pretty awesome. Uh, Gardevoir uh, also carry very strange and mystical powers, and can share their physical infirmities with their opponents through empathic power, and also gain the strength of their opponents by reading their minds and gaining their knowledge. They can also use their vast psychic powers to protect themselves from their own teammates' attacks. These abilities also translate to synchronized trace and telepathy, respectively. Uh, Gardevoir is one of the very few known Pokemon to Mega Evolve, and does so while holding the Gardevoirite, when its trainer holds a corresponding Mega Ring. Mega Rings are cool. Mega Rings are legit. Um, a notable trainer who uses Gardevoir is Diantha of the Kalos region, and I don't know if I just murdered her name or not, I but that's what I call that her. You pretty well on the head there. Right. But yeah, Diantha was scary when I saw that Pokemon come out. So, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I just had nothing to use against it. So No, it wasn't just you. Okay, good. Because I forgot it was a fairy, so I was hitting <laughs> dark attacks, and I was just Ooh. like, what the, what, I don't know what. Oh, I brought a Beedrill. Yes. <laughs> those changes to the type chart just messing everybody up. I remember when the type chart changed between Gen 1 and Gen 3. I went back into Gen 3, and I was just like, why are my psychic-type attacks not working against a Poochiena? Mm -hmm. Then it super effectively hit me with a dark-type attack, and I was like, what is this? But... <laughs> <laughs> you live and learn yep. um, in the TCG Gardevoir has been featured in 12 different sets on 12 different cards and in particular the Gardevoir from Next Destinies and Dark Explorers as one of the secret rares and that shiny Gardevoir is beautiful by the way I really want all of them yes um, uh, it has the ability Psychic Mirage, which doubles the value of any psychic energy attached to the Pokemon on Gardevoir's side of the field, making any psychic deck just a jerk to battle. It is a really nice card in psychic decks. I, I mean, you can't go wrong uh, as long as you aren't running another Stage 2. Uh, it's I, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Gardevoir is a very potent special attacker, made even more so by its Mega Evolution. On top of that, Gardevoir also gained a more defensive presence by its new fairy typing as of Generation 6. With powerful attacks like Psychic, Thunderbolt, Moonblast, Focus Blast, and Energy Ball in its arsenal, along with a strong base special defense, Gardevoir is a threat that requires careful thought when battling in the VGC. On oh, the other good... side, though... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was no. just going to say, those are some good moves. I, I, Energy Ball is, is a little, it seems a little rare this gen. I, I, I want it on some Pokemon that can't learn it. Nah, I like Energy Ball, I guess. Yeah, she's going to be a fun Pokemon to use this gen with her new <laughs> typing. I, I have a plan for Gardevoir that I will not speak of, but <laughs> I have a plan. There you go. 
But on the other side of that, though, Gardevoir has very low defense and HP and will suffer badly from poison, steel, and ghost attacks, especially the now popular Shadow Sneak and the always popular Bullet Punch. Oh, yeah. I but, see those moves a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, Gardevoir is pretty awesome, and it's a hugely useful addition on just about any team that you have. I mean, Gardevoir is just one of those universally great Pokemon to use. I love her. Yes, she is. She's cute, too. She was one of the very first Pokemon that I saw in Gen 3, and it was one of the Pokemon that sold me on Gen 3. So... That is Gardevoir in a nutshell, and we will be then moving on to quite possibly, well, I know it's my favorite segment of the week. I don't know about your guys, but we will be moving on to our question of the week. Woohoo! Yeah! And now it's time once again for our question of the week. The question from last week was, what kind of deck would you run in the 2015 sanctionable black and white only format? And, you know, our first response here was from Mr. Kent Johnson, who I know was a just a huge fan of the dark type decks. He is just a fan of everything that has to do with dark type. And he said, I'm thinking about bringing back my Darkrai Zoroark with the Spit Acid Scrafty. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, he he loved that Zoroark deck, so I'm glad that he's going to have it back. Right? Good. And then Isaac, I probably murdered that too, sorry, <laughs> said, probably the same Poison Burn deck I've been using due to my lack of cards. But hey, Emerging Powers Gothitelle and Scolipede are bosses. And Reshiram EX is pretty, too. Emerging Powers Gothitelle is pretty awesome. Yes, yes. Pretty awesome. Uh, I'm going to skip down one and read Tanner Menzel's, which he said uh, he's going to play Rayeels, uh, since it'll probably be the strongest with the new rule changes. I would respectfully disagree, but, you know, we'll certainly work with that at some point in the future. We're going to have to duke this out, Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then we also had Jeff Henry, who said, I have no idea what the new format is, but surely more Eevees. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go back to the one that was skipped earlier. Uh, listener, I'm going to murder this name too, Josh Massey. <laughs> I think that's right. Said, it's, it sounds right. It feels right. Yeah. Said, I'll definitely go back to some sort of eels as well, which I will. There you go. Nice. And for this week's question, we have, what is the first Pokemon in Generation 6 that you Ivy bred with Ralts? It was my first Protean Greninja. I, I have since bred three more of them. But, yes, the first one that I did was the version one of my Protein Greninja, and he was perfect stats. He's a jolly nature, so it was 31 HP, attack, defense, special defense, and speed. Very cool. Yes. yes. 
and it took me about an hour and a half. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Mine was the Fennekin that I bred for the tournament. And for that tournament, I I didn't even have two Pokemon that were superior to breed together. They were just two Brakeson that I caught in the Friend Safari. And I started producing uh, relatively superior and outstanding ones almost instantly. I was just like, what is this generation of games now? They're giving me everything. I like it. Okay, on to me. All right. My my first was the Gale Wings Fletchling, which becomes Talonflame. I made him adamant, and he had perfect stats except for special attack, which is perfect because he is not a special attacker. And that, that also only took me about an hour, hour and a half to do. Uh, the breeding process is so expedited in Generation 6. I, I love it. I love it so much. I don't know what you're talking about, though. I mean, the modest special attacking Talonflame is like the thing to have. Yeah, I run, I run adamant with flamethrower personally, but there you go. <laughs> and I should have made him sassy. My adamant bad. with sass. Yes. Adamant with surf. There you go. <laughs> I want to meet the Talonflame that knows surf. I could find one. Make it happen, Sam. I will. Use your powers. <laughs> So if you had any responses to this question of the week, which was, what was the first Pokemon in Gen 6 that you bred with Ralts? Just give us a reply back, again, either through our Facebook group page, or you could send the response to us at our new Twitter account, at Radio Rotome. You could send the reply to us via our mailbag, which is at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. Or you could also send the response to us over the D20 Radio Network forums. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, you can find back episodes of The Underground on iTunes or at our website, theundergroundpodcast.wordpress.com. Please subscribe to the show via the iTunes store or directly through the RSS feed on our website. If you like what you hear, leave us a review or rating on iTunes. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them with the nearest deli bird to our mailbag. Or you can just email us at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. You can also follow our new Twitter account at Radio Rotom. We'd also love to hear your bumpers. Just record an MP3 of yourself telling us that you dig the underground and send it in. We'll play it at the top of the next episode. Please join our discussion over at D20 Radio Network Forums at d20radio.com slash forums and also on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash the underground podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll be bringing back the second part of our epic miniseries, Eevee Training with Eevee, version 6.0. So until next time, Pokefans, remember that our secret base is always open to you if you can find it. The Underground Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. 
Pokemon is a registered trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, 4Kids Entertainment, and Wizards of the Coast. Music used in the show comes courtesy of the OC Remix album, The Missing Note Tracks. These songs and thousands more can be found at www.ocremix.org. All original audio, textual, graphical, and video content associated with the Underground Podcast are the sole copyright intellectual property of Natil Erickson and Samuel Ranke in affiliation with the D20 Radio Network. And now for your Pokemon Pro Tip of the Week. You hit blue level awesome when you enter Rock Tunnel without any Repel, Escape Ropes, Flash, or Dig. Hashtag, I also like to live dangerously.